Welcome to the Sydney Ideas podcast series. Sydney Ideas is the University of Sydney's public events program, providing you with the opportunity to hear leading thinkers from our university and around the world. Enjoy the podcast. I'd like to now formally say to everyone, happy World Soul Day. Thank you very much. Okay. And apparently it's be the solution to pollution. Hey, don't you love that? All right, fantastic. That's what you have to do. Now, the reason I think that's an interesting thing to um, actually say is because I was listening to one of the talks. We've got a conference going on at the moment. I was listening to one of the talks, and they're looking at the dumping of plastics in soil. People are saying we can, you know, put these plastics in soil. And an interesting question came up, which we may touch on later with some of the panellists, but they said, um, if you had to make a choice between putting plastics in oceans, which, of course, are very sensitive to everyone, they can see that and it falls on their heartstrings, would it be better to put the plastics in oceans or should we actually be putting it in the soil? And I think this is a big challenging question for the future. But as we move on, here are some, um, we're here to talk about this concept, it's based in this concept of soil security, which we'll unpack with the panel a little bit later on, so how we secure our soil, and I don't mean from a sovereign point of view, I mean just generally how we preserve it for future generations so it's still usable. usable. And I was looking some things up in relation to soil, and I don't think people realise that, you know, 80% of Australia's environmental assets are actually based around soil. That's about 3.8 billion, which is about half of what the estimated value of Australians' assets, environmental assets are. Now, if you think about that, that's almost, it's about a billion, 1.5 billion off the built assets in Australia. So it's quite a significant contribution to this group. And, and 45% of that soil is used to produce food. Okay? And globally, I think we also have to accept too that soil, 25% of soil, sorry, soil is home to 25% of the world's biodiversity. Now, if you wanted to think about that, and I think someone mentioned it to me about a day or two ago, one could argue, if you, if you look at it from a biodiversity point of view, you could argue that soil is, are the coral reefs of land, if we wanted to think about it, which I think is a very important point to think about. The capital value of the world's soil, some people have tried to value it and they say it's about 325 trillion. If we look at the size of Australia, that means we should be contributing about 16 to 20 trillion of that with the, with the uh, capital. And I think um, some people may remember too, if we go away from money and we look at how people value soil in other ways, we also, um, some people in the audience, I barely remember it. It was in the early 70s. But you might remember a, a, a prime minister at one point in time ceremoniously was handing soil back to an indigenous elder to symbolise the start of when we were starting to recognise um, native title and that connection to land again. What was really nice in this conference I've been in over the last couple of days, I've been hearing from my New Zealand colleagues overseas from the Maori and they've been referring to this concept of mana, putting, putting soil in its rightful place. So it's obviously also a very important thing to indigenous communities to consider. Look, there are challenges. We're talking about 70% increase in you know, food production around the world, but where's the soil going to come from to do that? How are we going to do that? Um, we're still facing threats with erosion. Desertification is still happening um, around the world, and these challenges exist. Um, 
And I think to answer some of those challenges, we're starting to realise now we have to get the right sort of data, the right sort of information. So not only soil scientists, but policymakers, economists. I mean, even the banking sector is starting to look now into natural capital as, as a way when they're looking at investing in environments. So there's been different demands of that data and information. And we have to ensure people are connected to soil people now, but let's look at future generations. So how can we start educating people about soil? So these are some of the topics that we might touch on with the group that are here today. So without any further ado, because it's not about me, okay, this particular panel, and just move forward one slide. And I'm now going to introduce Professor Christine Morgan, who is from Texas A&M. And I know Christine has done a lot of work in, um, in relation to soil and how it relates to water, um, soil, and energy security. So I will ask Christine, and I'm going to ask the rest of the panellists, I'm just going to ask their opinion, how they think soil security might contribute to the future health of the planet, if we wanted to look at it more broadly. Then what we might need to secure soil for that future, if we say how it's going to be contributing to the health of the planet. And finally, what Christine would think her call, or maybe asking the audience their call to action so that we can actually do that. So Christine, thank you very much. Okay. Well, first of all, I would like to say happy World Soil Day to everybody. Yay. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I've been asked to talk about you know why is soil important and why do we need to secure it? And it's interesting because you know, as you read the newspapers and you see what's going on in articles about our natural resources, you know, there's always these common themes of, you know, about food security, water security, energy sustainability, and energy security. And I think about soil has a lot to do in the roles in those areas. I mean, for one, we use soil to grow food, and soil is really important in our terrestrial world to regulate water. It filters it. It provides us with clean water. It's kind of the, the action place when it rains, whether the, the water goes into the soil or off the soil, and that affects the outcome of where the water goes and, and what it looks like when it gets there. And I think about these, you know, food, water, energy, and then I think about planetary health, and you can imagine um, the regulating of food, water, and energy uh, de determines how healthy we are uh, in the planet and in the environment. And then um, it, it is a source of biodiversity. You know, in the soil, there are a lot of microbes that we don't even know exist yet, and a lot of medicines have come from the soil. So it's contributing to planetary health in, in a lot of different ways. And um, lastly, you know, we have all of these challenges as the population grows and, you know, we have to share our soil with, with future generations. And, um, and then we just add this concept of our climate changing on top of that. And it gets maybe a little daunting to think about all of those bits together. But in the end, um, it's quite reassuring. And I think it's never been a, a more exciting time to be a soil scientist to get to think about how we can communicate the importance of soils with uh, our communities and with society and with policymakers. Because a secure soil is a secure future for all of us. Um, so I think the second question was, um, what needs to be done, right? Was that it? Yes. So um, I think that we need to be better at communicating uh, the benefits of soil and then recognizing who we're communicating with. 
Um, if you're talking to someone that manages the soil for a living, they're probably in tune to some different things than someone that you might meet on the street that's just interested in, in having a nice glass of water to drink when they get home from their walk, right? Or um, someone at the grocery store might be thinking about their food and the food safety and the nutrition value of the food. And so I think it's really important as scientists and community leaders to be thinking about why is soil important to the individual. And I think that's something that we can all do, and especially as scientists, we need to be tasked with thinking about who our stakeholders are and who we're talking to and how we can communicate that. But then on the science end, we can't just communicate it. We have to be able to measure it and inform society how land use decisions affect the water and affect the energy across the earth. So, you know, we need to be able to measure it. We need to be able, be able to understand and um, tell society, if we make this decision, these are the outcomes so that we can make informed policy and informed decisions. Um, and then lastly, the question was, what's the call to action? And so I look at all of you, and I think surprisingly a lot of people in the audience, of course, know a little bit about soil because people knew what, what soil they came from. But I, I, I challenge everyone here to, if you haven't ever done it before, go out and observe soil. Pour, pour a glass of water on it and see what happens. And then think about all the things that are important to you. And then think about how soil uh, contributes to those things that are important. So that's my call to action. Okay, thank you very much, Kristen. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So Yang Guangzhou, I'm going to move across to you at the moment. He's a member of the China Academy of Sciences, and I think. Um, um, Professor Zhu's worked a lot on multi-dimensional and multi-scale problems in relation to soil erosion and soil contamination, has a significant contribute, contribution there. So thinking about those questions and what Christine said about that's, it, it's a regulator of environmental factors, which of course relates to pollution, and also we want to leave a legacy for future generations and the importance of um, communication and communication to the right audiences, what would you see as some of the issues that, that you're considering in relation to soil security and, and a call to action. Um, yeah, um, again, I, I also want to congratulate on the World Soil Day. Um, yeah, in my opinion, uh, soil actually is the uh, living skin of the earth. So it is absolutely the foundation of civilization. Um, if we can preserve the soil, we can preserve our future. And uh, when we see soil, it's, uh, we, we can see the physics of the soil, and also probably by chemical measurement, we see the chemistry of the soil. But probably behind that, there is a biology. We already touched upon it. There are millions and millions of bacteria. There's a, a soil, uh, animals you know, living in the system, and they all work together to make sure that the soil has a multi-functionality. Soil is not only for the food, but also for the general environmental quality and also uh, human health. So in, in, uh, in our culture, in the Chinese culture, we have a very uh, 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 deeply rooted culture in our community that soil is the origin of life. So when the people uh, migrate from his hometown to another new destination. Their relatives will ask, 
the person to grab a soil from his backyard so have the, to keep the connection with his uh, homeland. Mm. And in fact, I, when I moved from China to the United, United Kingdom to study, my father told me that I should do, do that to keep the connection. So I think that uh, soil is not only the indispensable natural resources for food, um, it's for the general environment, but also for our culture our, our um, uh, deep culture that um, we, we are um, connected to. So I think that uh, soil actually is the, is the very fundament, fu foundation of our civilization. That's what I see, uh, soil. And uh, so I urge everybody, uh, we care about our soil and we all uh, participate in this uh, citizen science, uh, what I, uh, people now say, that uh, to understand the soil, to preserve the soil, and uh, to actually improve the soil quality for the future generations. I think that's my uh, 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 broader view about uh, soil security. Thank you. Thank you very much, Zoo. So you obviously got a... Uh... <laughs> You've got a, a future focus there, and, and, and as well as doing some um, good science, you've also got a strong cultural link to soil. I like the fact that you refer to it as being the living, the living skin of the earth, which is true. I think that if you were trying to bring your soil from China to here, if you were going to immigrate here, you might have to radiate it on the way in. So unfortunately, you'll have to kill all the living things to, to bring it here, but that's just the way things work in some places. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'd like now to um, hand over to, to Catherine, and um, Catherine Allen now. Catherine Catherine Allen is the um, Associate Professor of Environmental um, um, Sociology and Planning down at Charles Sturt University. Mm -hmm. um, and Catherine, I, I, I wanted Catherine on the panel because Catherine brings, uh, I think, some interesting social dimensions where, uh, to, this, to this discussion. So how Catherine actually looks at how people might engage with soil or understand soil or communicate soil to other groups. So Catherine, over to you, please. Thank you. Um, I agree with everything that's been said about the importance of soil. I would like to bring the social into the systems that we've been talking about and say that soil is actually a really important part of, of the whole socio-ecological system. So that soil is part of all of our lives and I think that's been referred to but I, I would like to I guess make a case for putting some institutional arrangements around that. I mean, making it possible for us all to actually feel like soil is part of our lives. I think historically we've done quite a good job of separating soil from a lot of our lives. Um, particularly in lecture theatres like this, there's not a lot of soil to look at. And so we need to, to make efforts to allow people to be able to take part in decisions about soil. I think the term soil security is, is a really interesting one because it, it makes us think about protection and it makes us think about what are, what are we protecting the soil from? Who are the people who do the protection? Who are the people who are the enemy, if you like? And how do we engage with, with um, 
the enemy, if that's the way we're framing it. Another way of looking at it, of course, is that the security is how do we ensure that the soil is keeping us secure in our society? And that's a much more embracing way of looking at, at soil. It's who should be in the conversations around soil? And of course, it's important that we have specialists and experts, and there's a whole lot of them in, in the room at the moment, experts on soil. <coughs> but I think that there are roles for everyone. If we're all connected to soil, there are um, um, perspectives, there are understandings about what should be protected, who should be protected from, who should be working with things. But our institutional arrangements, the way we do things, don't allow it so much. So something that's really good is having this conversation here. And I'll stop talking soon so that the whole group can, can start there. So one of my calls to action, I guess, is to find ways to have conversations with multiple people, find ways to remove the privilege of particular science perspectives and actually allow some co-design in the future to keep the living skin, to keep us working together. So my call is for how can we keep conversations about soil in the public sphere, not just in the science sphere. Thanks. Thanks, thanks, Catherine. <laughs> so if I, I, I take some of that, Catherine, I, I agree with you. I think we're all responsible. It's not just particular sectors of the community. And it sounds like we do need to reconnect again. And, and, and it is challenging in some areas, especially when you're living in a world where, what is it, every time a child comes inside, quick, wash your hands, get that soil off there. You know, it's not something you're allowed to have or don't play in because it'll make you unwell, uh, etc. But uh, I think too that um, finding ways to have the conversations is important and, and being able to speak to people outside, can I coin the phrase, outside your own echo chamber. Go and speak to other people who probably even disagree with you um, on some aspects. And um, it sounds like to me as well as when you're saying about protecting soil, it's, it's also about care. Yes. And I think care is a very important component. And I'm going to invoke the words of a very dear colleague of mine who's in the room at the moment, those who care lobby. And I think that's something that we need to we need to always think about. So raising that care is is very important. So you have a big challenge now, um, Johan. Okay. So I've I've known Johan for quite a while, um, for a number of years. He's often come to my talks and told me you're not doing that quite right, Damien. You need to get it a little bit better for next time. Um, so Johan is a, a emeritus professor with Wageningen University in the Netherlands, and he's done many. Um, he has a very distinguished career and, and won many awards awards, which I'm not going to go through because there are far too many to talk about. But um, one thing I will say as I've known Johan is he's worked very well with trying to push soil into that policy space and engage with policy. So I think he'll bring an interesting perspective to the conversation that we're having so far. And hopefully we'll get a big call to action, Johan, at the end. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Happy Soil Day, right, once again. Um, well, I fully agree with what, what has been uh, said before, and I think one thing we, we want to realize is that uh, there is general agreement that maybe 30%, maybe even more, of the soils of the world are degraded one way or the other. And that can be various forms of degradation. It can be that the soil is compacted. It is often the case that the, organic, the natural organic matter content of the soil is dramatically reduced because of too much mechanical agriculture turning the 
the soil around all the time uh, that, that makes that organic matter is, uh, is decomposing for example it can be uh, that salt is in, in, in increasing the salt content and we know from the from history that several civilizations like in Mesopotamia for example have well have not continued to exist because of the degradation of the of the soil so there are many forms of that and I think a key question that, that we have to ask, uh, certainly also as the research community, is uh, can we reverse uh, those forms of degradation? Can we restore the soils to their potential? Right, and that's the, the soil security concept uh, has 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 some very interesting entry points. Of saying we talk about the condition of the soil, but we also talk about the capability of the soil. What are, what are the possibilities to to improve uh, or to 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 uh, make sure that the degradation is being combated and that it is improved? So the key question is, uh, can it be done? Because if, uh, for whatever reason, you would have to conclude it is so so serious and it's such a problem, and considering all the demands that are, it's hopeless. You don't want to be pulling on a dead horse, so to speak. Then you would give up. And I think the good news is that it can be done. It, it can be done. We have the knowledge to to do it. But it, it, will it be done? That is the next question, and that's where the policy arena comes in as well. I think a, a key issue for soil science is, is also this point of saying we have all this degradation, we have all these problems, but basically we have a lot of the knowledge to overcome these problems. And there are many examples all over where this, 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 these problems of degradation have been overcome, and often with initiatives by land users and farmers, and sometimes farmers uh, didn't know that something could not be done, so they did it. Right? There's a lot of innovation going out there. We have some wonderful examples today in our conference of farmers doing all kinds of things. And that shows one thing that land users, and mostly land users are farmers, um, not uh, every farmer is different, right? Now we have also a lot of different soils, so there is a lot of variation going on. And I think one of the challenges for the future for the research community is to to hatch on to that, to use the local knowledge that is there, the experience that is there, that is unique for different locations, different soils, unique. Every farmer is different, and then assist uh, the systems that have that have developed, assist in getting numbers. Numbers, uh, quantifying the processes that are there, that also allows extrapolation to other points to, to create better understanding of what is what is going on. We have a wealth of techniques to do that right now, and I think it's it's a real challenge to do that. And I think it's also important for students to to go out in the field, talk with farmers, but observe the soil. There is a tendency now to, to concentrate on process studies, and that's very important. We have to understand the processes that, that play a role, physical, chemical, biological. But before you know it, you start doing that in isolation, and what you have to do in this context is looking at the whole system. When we talk about sustainable development, which is a very important issue, we know that has three elements. It's environmental, it is social, and it's economic. So these have to be considered together. And uh, I always like to talk about that anything can be done. Never say that something cannot be done. Anything can be done, but we as scientists will 
be able to tell you, okay, if you do that, these are the social, these are the economic, and these are the environmental consequences, and then choices have to be made. But you have to look at the whole system, that is very important, involving very much the land users, and then there's this one concept of the World Bank, they call about lighthouses, that are examples that, that really combine these three elements in a very, sometimes highly innovative manners, and I think it's very important to, to show those lighthouses, to document them, and communicate that also to the, to the policy arena. Because for farmers, and, but also for the policy arena, the question is always, what's in it for me? A politician wants to score, right? He wants to have a success. Now, if you have success stories and say, this is what it takes, make rules and regulations that make that possible, that is one way to go. But again, a systems approach for the future is, I think, crucial to, to do this. And maybe one... So, 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 no, what, what, what I'll do is I'll give you another chance in a second. Okay, okay. okay. I don't want you to use all, everything now. You know, you don't want to run out. Okay, okay. okay. Thank you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. So, but it, it does sound like to me, and it is right. It is about the right knowledge for the right people. It is about when you get out there, make sure you're looking at the soil, making sure you're speaking to the people so that you're getting the whole story, which goes a little bit back to what Catherine was saying as well, and recognising that there's a lot of variation, not only in soil across the country and not only uses, but also how people understand soil and they treat soil. And remember, there are people out there who know about soil. It's not just all about the science. There are other people who have lived on that soil. They know how it works, and it's good to gather that information as well. So on that note, um, I think, Patrick, you've been probably doing that a little bit when you've been working with your groups. There's Patrick Holden, who I'd like to um, pass across down. He's held many um, positions in the UK um, in, in setting up various foundations and groups that have been looking at um, the organic um, agriculture sector, but also now moving towards, towards this sustainable food trust. And I think originally he started this work in Wales and then have moved out, if I'm not mistaken. Well, um Thank you. I'm um, a farmer and um, for 45 years I've been looking after a, a tiny parcel of, la of the, um, the skin of the earth mm -hmm. in West Wales and I've been trying to maintain and build its soil fertility and I believe that um, we should use this uh, World Soil Day as a, uh, a call for action because I think we're in the last chance saloon um, of preventing irreversible climate change and what is not widely known um, is that if we introduce changes of farming practice right across the world um, and rebuild the depleted fertility of the soil which has happened during my farming lifetime uh, we could lock up perhaps up to a hundred parts per million of CO2 from the atmosphere back into the soil if we had the right incentives. The incentives haven't existed for the last 40-50 uh, years. In fact, farmers have effectively been incentivized to use fertilizers and pesticides uh, to mine the soil, that uh, the fertility of which has been accumulated during thousands of years. And as a result, we're now at a critical level where, uh, as has just been said by Johan, uh, we we've got degraded soils and uh, the yields are failing and we'll be in real trouble on lots of fronts. So the question is what can be done? And uh, the, uh, we're 
just currently in the middle of the COP24 in Poland, but at the COP21, uh, where the Paris Agreement was signed, the French minister um, issued a call for action under the name Catch Per Meal, the Four Per Thousand Challenge. And he suggested that governments throughout the world should introduce incentives uh, for all farmers to increase a 0.4% per annum of increase in soil carbon. And I don't know whether the Australian government signed up to this or the Chinese government. Yes, there we are. They did, they did, uh, yeah. And the UK government did, amazingly, because we haven't done much about it so far. Um, but I believe it's now time for action. And what is amazing is that the science of being able to uh, measure soil carbon is evolving. Um, and the practices which could deliver these increases are available. And so what we need to do, and I believe as a, my, my Chinese colleague mentioned already, the future of civilizations will depend on this, is introduce incentives whereby farmers can change their practices where they rebuild the lost soil carbon. And uh, I think this will re require uh, changes in farming practice. In Australia, there's been a lot of overgrazing. We need to move towards holistic grazing. In Europe, where I farm, it's a return to mixed farming with a crop rotation which has a fertility building, normally grass and clover phase. And we need to give up. We need to wean ourselves off our addiction to nitrogen fertilizer and pesticides, which have been the main cause of the decline in soil fertility. Now, if we did this and we had these soil carbon stewardship incentives introduced throughout the world, uh, we could address climate change, we could improve public health, and we would all live happily ever after. There you go. Sounds like to me, happy soil, happy life. That's the way it seems to be going. That's very good. Okay. So um, what I'd like to do now is I'll, I'm going to open open up and, and just ask some general questions, and I might jump around the panel a, a little bit. But I'll start back again with Christine. So following on from what um, what Patrick was talking about, there is this issue of climate change, and, and, um, and I think whether people want to debate how or why it happens, it is being generally accepted that it is happening and it has led to this major initiative which has been recognised in Australia and some people in Australia have been trying to work out how you would increase the carbon levels or what the potential levels are. So from your perspective, what are some of the things we might have to do, if you like, so salt can contribute to this area of climate change and also how do you think climate change might, might impact on securing soil? as we move into the future? Well, there's no doubt that climate change makes uh, what we're currently doing a little bit more difficult, or at least requires some change. Um, of course, there's the cat per mill, says that we can increase our carbon in, in, into soil, and that would help mitigate some of the uh, carbon, of course, that's going into the atmosphere. So how do we do that? I mean, there's a lot of different methods. Um, in farming and in the way that we manage our soil for the uses that we want from it. And I'm a very strong believer that the farmers and the land managers and the people that are currently managing the soil have the ability and the skills and the know-how. Um, it's, it's about, you know, how do you incentivize it? How do you convince 
um, belief change belief structures that this is what needs to be done. Um, and there's some very innovative humans out there that can come up with a lot of different ways. I mean, currently we have kind of our standard methods, um, but I also think there's new ones out there. And it's just all about um, letting some creative, talented people go at it and figure out how to do it. Okay, thank you, Christine. That's right. So yes, there is a lot of opportunity, and there is a lot of talent out there. Talent out there as well. So, um, Professor Zhu, in your opinion, and maybe from a perspective from maybe China or something like that, how would you see that people could incentivize um, securing soil and its contribution to to climate change? Yeah, I think uh, globally we have this uh, carbon trading, I think it's uh, being started in some places. So we can actually account the soil carbon sequestration and the actual amount of carbon can be sequestrated in the uh, soil and the soil plant system. I think this should be able um, to give a budget and we can actually put a price on that. And uh, like we have a, a, a permit system for pollution discharge, we should have a system that we can uh, trade the carbon sequestration uh, in the soil, in the ecosystem at large. So there, there are economic instruments that we can develop based on other systems to incentivize the uh, carbon sequestration as a as a tool to mitigate uh, um, so th this is not not only the the, the the incentive itself but it's there is a co-benefit because we when we increase the soil carbon content actually we improve the the health of the soil, which we have, you know, better yield and a good quality of uh, agricultural produce. So I think we, we got this message across to the general public that uh, we always have this co-benefit um, uh, when we think about preserved soil or preserved soil carbon. I think that's my opinion. And, and the policy in China is uh, working towards that direction. We need to applaud this man. He's, that, was, he's got gonna, all the right ideas. I was going to say, that was, um, <laughs> that, was, that was obviously fantastic. And we could see that Patrick was getting extremely excited at the end of the panel. And um, you know, so if you're extremely excited too, just give out a cheer. I mean, I think that's the way to go. But I, uh, exactly, I think that's brilliant. I think, um, I think there is something about, and it's coming up a lot, this idea of incentivizing, finding ways to, to bring people about change. And there have been many discussions about trading or, or making a soil account or how we're going to, you know, to, to quantify this stuff in the future. And I think it should be an aspiration of, of many nations to look at in this area. But um, if I come back to you, Catherine, so if I was looking at, if I was going to say to you that I think maybe even climate change might be a threat to securing soil, how do you think you might communicate that with, um, with various people? What are some of the novel ways that we can communicate that besides, if you like, putting a value on, on, on soil? Okay, I'd, I'd like to slightly change the question. If you, you, if you I, I think in some ways the idea of communicating is, is starting at the wrong point. Okay. I think maybe even incentivising is, is thinking too linearly. Mm -hmm. If we are thinking 
systems, complex systems under climate change, stationarity is dead. Yeah, we all know that. There is no stationary that we're working on. We're working on a constantly changing um, ecosystem, I guess, socio-ecological system. It's always going to change. So one of the things which we need to do better is to learn to learn, learn to listen, learn to share. And once we have approaches which are more about being, um, I, I suppose, responsive and collective, the idea of communication becomes less important because you're actually part of it. So communicating out, and this comes back to my point about who's, who's the enemy. You know, there are people who are destroying the soil and we need to communicate them with them. It's quite a limiting sort of approach. Whereas what do we need to do as humanity to start understanding soils and start talking about soils? Mm -hmm. Probably I'm not communicating that as well, but to, to think that it's a simple thing that we can break down into simple parts and make simple messages, I don't think it's going to serve us well in, in a constantly changing world with increasing population. We need to be learning how to learn and learning how to understand the signals that are, that are coming back and learning to create new futures together, things that emerge rather than things which we've decided ought to happen. Okay, thank you. No, thank you, Christine. It obviously is a, a, a complex a complex issue and, and there are many ways in which this has to be communicated. So maybe, Johan, if you like, you might like to pick up on that a little bit because I know that yeah. you've had to work with different groups before and look at different ways of, of communication and um, I think yeah. you even had an award named after you once called the Johan right, well, Communication. But, yeah. Right, what, what I always like to say is money talks yes. and money does not listen, right? Mm. So... Um, uh, we in Europe spend 40 billion euros on farm support. You're, the farmers in this country are, and in New Zealand are on their own, right? There are no subsidies, as I understand it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at the rules there, um, the, the intentions are very good. They say it's, it's for support, greening, and uh, good practices. But when you look in the small print, it's very poorly defined. And in practice, it means that farmers get a certain amount per hectare, rather independent of what they do. That's what it boils down to, in my view. So you could use uh, the subsidies to, to focus, uh, particularly on measures that are useful. Now, we know that every soil type has a particular dynamics. Eh? We've gone out and uh, not only looked at the soil map, the soil type, but then depending on the management that you have followed, is it meadow, is it arable land, is it biological farming, etc., etc. those soils are, act quite differently, even though they have the same name. And we, you can trace that back, and you can uh, find the fields. Then when you have permanent meadow, there is not much to be gained, because that organic matter content is at the equilibrium. But if you have arable land, there's a lot to be gained. So you could take a land use map and a soil map and find out areas, arable land, where measures have to be taken. Now, you can use a subsidy for that, but that's not even necessary, because we also have examples that show if you have a more circular approach to, to your whole system, then uh, your expenses are sometimes less when you do that compared to the traditional system. 
And so the net income of the farmer is the higher. We have several examples of that. Now, we are very much inclined when we talk about production, about yields. The higher, the better, right? And sometimes you spend a lot of energy and fertilizers to get just a little bit more. Well, in the, in the circular systems I've been looking at, we have been looking at, uh, the production is a little bit lower, but the costs are substantially lower, so the net income is higher. So that is a very interesting kind of thing, because you, about all of this, you have to be very practical. And the farmer has a bottom line, has to make a living. So if, if you can have this financial story right, you'll have your en environmental story right, and if you really communicate with the farmers and land users, like you say, you also have the social factors, so you have the three elements of sustainable development that you always have to have all three of them, otherwise it's not going to work. Okay, thank you, Johan. Thank you. So yes, that's, that's, that picks up on a couple of couple of points that you know not all soils are the same. Not all soils can do the same things, and we have right. to understand that, and we have to recognise that, and we have to manage for that. So I suppose um, once again, going back to you, Patrick, because you're obviously, as you said, a farmer and you work in the area. So some people. I some wonder sometimes if they ask themselves the question, rather than saying the soil will do this, is, it, is what can this soil do or can the soil actually do this? Is that the way we should be starting to think about, think about this, this system? Well, it is true that not all soils are the same mm -hmm. and that the potential for building soil carbon is greatest in the continuous arable soils. Um, but we need to both maintain and build soil fertility and we need incentives um, and it's wonderful to hear from Professor Xi that you know the Chinese are looking at this mm -hmm. uh, using the carbon market if one emerges but also using the existing subsidies redirecting them where they exist as in Europe uh, to provide incentive schemes and weirdly enough I'm not a great fan of Brexit uh, but um, the United Kingdom may be leaving the European Union you may have heard um, and uh, it, it, there's a current Secretary of State Michael Gove um, who uh, we have contact with who's had got some very enlightened uh, ideas about soil fertility and he has stated publicly that he's determined to restore the lost fertility of our soils and to use redirected subsidies to incentivize farmers to do that and of course the devil is in the detail of that and we, we're certainly trying to get him uh, keep him on the right tracks but um, I think that this uh, post-Brexit policy if it occurs will be an influence on the European Union because at the moment and as Johan rightly said, if you're a farmer in Europe, you get about three, um, three, 80 pounds an acre just for, it's like a social security payment. As long as you don't break the law, you get the money. And if that money, the receipt of that money became conditional on adopting practices which rebuilt soil fertility, farmers would respond because they will follow the money. So I take the point that this is complex and it's not one size fits all, but I think soil carbon is a proxy for so many goods, for biodiversity, for fertility, for improved food quality, and for addressing climate change. So we, we can be simple and complex at the same time and we can do this and especially with Chinese leadership we can do this because a lot of people are looking to China now to show the way and that's wonderful to hear your views on this. Good, thank you very much, thank you. Thank you. Yep. So it sounds like we, we have a few few challenges here emerging and of course and, and one of those is how we communicate this and there's been some suggestion now that is, is soil carbon a, a proxy way to talk about if you like how secure the system is or, or how healthy the system is either because 
there might be something that's tradable or something you could pay for or just as a general measure to say how people are looking after the land and that might be through government su subsidies or incentives as well which might um, compensate them for you know areas where they might be taking a yield sacrifice as such you know to, to manage lands in better ways so there's a few few challenges there so what I'd um, like to do because very soon I'm going to open up to the um, to the floor as well and, and get them to see if they would ask any questions but before I do that there's been there was a question asked um, at the conference we're at this week and I'd, I'd like to actually put it to the panelists and that was um, do you think soil will be a significant contributor to food production a hundred years from now so there are some people in out there in the world who are talking about there may be other ways in which we can produce food. I mean, we've all heard of meat in a test tube. It doesn't look very attractive to me, but we've all heard of this meat in a test tube or various hanging gardens or other ways to produce food. So I suppose I'm just going to ask you if you think it still will be, and if so, what do you think we need to do? What would be your number one priority to secure it so it is still there from 100 years um, from now? And I'm actually going to start from the middle this time. Catherine, I'm going to start with, with you, if you don't mind. I'll jump into the middle just to break it up a little bit. Um, my short answer is yes, and I think that's because, in a way, it's the simplest. All these things you've been talking about, cows in test tubes or something, it's hard to get a cow into a test tube, I would have thought, but <laughs> it takes energy. All these things are quite energy intense and they're quite, um, well, they're adding complexity to something which is already very complex. We have soil which despite what we do to it, often bounces back. Yes, it's degraded, but it is, um, we, we can stop the degradation, we can improve um, soils, restore soils. Because they're living, because they're functional, they do it whether we're here or not. And I think there is actually um, a, a sort of moral obligation as well, even if humans weren't here, would we want a good functioning planet, a good functioning soil? So I think, yes, soils are going to be an important part of food production and human way of understanding themselves into the future. I Thank think. you. Yep. Professor Zhu, would you like to make any comment about whether we'll still need soil in 100 years' time? Yeah, the, uh, I think definitely, because um, when we talk about the soil as a foundation for food and for, for civilization, it's not, not just for the pure function, but it's a pleasure, actually. Uh, when, uh, actually, personally, I think when we uh, stay in the, uh, in the city for too long, we would like to visit the farms, and we want to do some farming. So it's not just the producing the food, uh, it is about uh, a lifestyle and uh, the way we enjoy life. And the food also, again, it's not just the food amount, it's the quality. So we need a better quality food. The better quality food should be coming from the natural environment. We can produce some food in a factory, in a plant factory, but we cannot replace the entire food system because we would enjoy the flavor of the nature, because we are from the nature. So I'm pretty sure that in 100, time, 100 years time, 200 years time, we will all rely on our soil resources as our culture and our life.
Do you like your flavor from nature, Christine? Would you like to see solar and this time? I'm tempted to try to answer no to this question. Good. Um, <laughs> but I can't figure out a way to do it to convince myself I, I would be telling the truth. Um, you know, it's interesting. There will be there will be technological advances and there will be ways to to grow food not in soil for sure. But I think that's kind of um, a strategy for people that have money to pay for that and that to put energy into it. I think ultimately, if you're hungry, you're going to find a seed and you're going to plant it in the soil. Yes, no, I, I agree. I think um, I think that you know my opinion is I think it will be, but that's because I'm just an advocate for soil. But um, but yes, I think I think that there is this element that we have to consider here in this too that there are price points, there are the opportunity for people to do this, the amount of engineering that's going to happen as well. Um, but Johan. Well, I'm very hesitant to to answer that question. Uh, if I see what happened in the last 10 years, you know, the iPhone is from 2007. Eh? Mm. It's a totally different world now. Exactly. It's the social media and the, the fake news and the, all the rest of it. <laughs> if you go 100 years back, I always like to mirror when they say oh, in 10 years. Now, mm. let's go back 10 years, which looks like yesterday usually. But if we go back 100 years, it was a totally different world. Eh? So, and the risk is looking very much ahead is that you forget the challenge that is there for the next few years. Eh? We have the, the, the CAP 21 commitment. Uh, we have the, the sustainable development goals of the United Nations with commitments for 2030, which is tomorrow, you know. So I, uh, it's an interesting intellectual exercise, okay, but let's not waste any time on it. Let's mm -hmm. go at work. We know what has to be done, at what can be done. That's very important. And let's, let's do it and, well, have fun and think about the future, but not waste too much, en too much energy in mm -hmm. those kind of questions. Mm -hmm. That's what I feel. <laughs> <laughs> would you, would you, would you uh, no, 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 uh, this, this, uh, this uh, just reminds me of, you know, getting ready for a talk again, Johan, making sure I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, <laughs> would you like to waste any time? <laughs> you want me to, well, I, think of soil as the stomach of the plant. It's the plant's digestive organ. All plants spend about a third of their photosynthetic energy uh, exuding sugary sap into the root zone, which nourishes a symbiotic community of fungi and bacteria upon which the plant depends for its nutrition. And what we've done uh, with the industrial agriculture is we put that process into reverse because the pesticides of the nitrogen depresses that fungal community and the bacterial community. And it's interesting that already a lot of these salads that we eat, certainly in the UK, I suspect it's true here as well, are no longer gro grown in soil, they're grown in rock wool, which is like hydroponic sort of nutrient holding solution. But it's, I think it's inevitable that if more and more of us eat food which isn't grown in soil, it will be deficient in vital nutrients, trace elements and other vital nutrients. And we, uh, as a society, will experience health problems, long-term health problems as a consequence. So soil is essential. We should wake up to the fact that uh, some of our food is no longer coming from living soil and do something about it. Okay, there you go. So, uh, uh, a, strong, a strong argument, once again, for making sure that we secure this thing called soil and, and protect and preserve it and, and right hopefully on. get people to um, connect with it. Thanks for listening to the Sydney Ideas podcast series. 
For more information about our upcoming events or to listen to more podcasts, head to sydney.edu.au forward slash sydney underscore ideas.